Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're going to go right now to Gene Peters Baker as a press conference from the prosecutor's office has just begun. And but first, let me start with um, the folks that are with me. Of course, I'm Gene, uh, your prosecutor. Um, uh, welcome to uh, the Independence Police Department, where um, hearts are heavy. And um, we have a, a somber announcement to make today, but with me is uh, <coughs> Deputy Chief Jason Peterson. Um, he is standing in uh, on behalf of the chief, um, who has some other very immediate um, needs this morning that he is tending to uh, with the widow, widow of the fallen officer. Also, um, I don't know where everybody is, so um, with me over here is Lieutenant uh, Darren Blankenship with the Missouri Highway Patrol and our lead investigator on this matter. Um, presiding Judge Jalila Otto, uh, thank you, Judge, for joining us this morning. Um, of course, our Mayor of Independence, Rory Rowland, is with us as well. And um, also with me is uh, Jeremy Baldwin down here on the end with the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office. Okay, let's go ahead and um, talk about why you're all actually here this morning. A few others are going to make some comments, um, but we'll go ahead and get started with the charging of the defendant in this matter. Uh, the defendant's name in this case is Larry Acree. Um, he is a, a white male whose last known residence was in Independence, Missouri. And um, he has been charged with multiple charges. Um, as I get to that, I want to tell you that he's in custody on a $2 million bond. He's in a hospital at this moment, um, but he's expected to be transported to the Jackson County Detention Center um, in, as soon as he is able. Um, the charges that I have are murder in the first degree um, for the death of a um, court process server um, named Drexel Mack. Um, 
so <clears throat> Mr. Mack was uh, simply doing his job yesterday when um, he met a fate that um, shouldn't be associated um, with serving process on behalf of the court. Of course, that murder in the first degree charge is assigned with count two, an armed criminal action charge. There's a second count of murder in the first degree, and that is for a fallen uh, police officer. And um, there's also a corresponding armed criminal action charge um, for that fallen officer. The officer's name, as you know by now, is Cody Allen. Um, there's a account for assault in the first degree, and that is for um, another police officer of the Independence Missouri Police Department who was, who was shot and struck by gunfire yesterday. Um, I'm not gonna name him at this particular time, um, but we will be able to provide uh, additional details in the near future. Um, there's a resulting armed criminal action charge uh, that goes with the shooting of that police officer as well, um, who is recovering from his injuries. There will be other uh, victims in this case. We know that there was another police officer um, that was shot yesterday, another independence police officer shot in this matter. And as this investigation continues to ongoing, um, we will get there with additional charges, but we just don't have that prepared. Uh, yet today, but they, it will come in the near future. Okay, so what led us here? Um, basically what led us here is um, a year-long um, eviction process had been underway, a year long. And um, so we really started um, this process, or I should say the court process on the notice to vacate um, that process had been ongoing, ongoing for some time. Um, Drexel, who had been to that uh, property before, um, of course was there on February 29th um, to complete that service of process and to actually evict um, Mr. Aki from, from the property. Um, of course, they took uh, multiple steps to make sure that that property was secured and safe to go into. Um, they knocked and announced their presence. Of course, there had been previous notice um, on the property and they did receive no answer at the front door and no indication that anybody was in the residence. Because of that, then they proceeded to remove the locks. Um, so they had um, they were there for a time, you know, having those locks uh, cut and drilled out so that they could enter. Um, but as, as Drexel and others were entering to the front door of the residence, um, he was met with gunfire and he was immediately uh, fell to the, um, my understanding is right at that front door of the residence. And that is where um, Additional officers then quickly responded to the scene. Those were the independence police officers. And um, as officers do, they were attempting um, to save Mr. Mack's life uh, by removing him from the property to get him medical care. When they were met with gunfire as well. And as you know, that resulted in the loss of one other officer's life 
and um, other officers shot. Um, this is really a, um, it's a hard day. Um, charges are great uh, to be able to give you, and it is also an important um, way to show that the criminal justice system um, works even on the hardest days and the worst days. Um, but I think all of us would just like to roll back the clock, uh, just roll back the clock a few hours uh, to see if any other uh, fate could have been met. But here we are. Um, I want to extend my um, condolences to the city of Independence, um, who has suffered enough tragedy to last um, a lifetime. But we are here again at this podium um, because they lost another um, um, among them. That condolence also goes specifically to the Independence Police Department, um, you know, who is suffering a loss uh, that few of us um, ever have to experience. And then, of course, um, there are, you know, there are family and then there's family. Um, there are widows and children and moms um, that lost somebody really important to them. The same condolence um, needs to be extended, of course, to the court because um, they lost someone um, that they cared for, that they looked after, um, and um, who was simply out doing his job. So, you know, hero can be a lot of different things. It can look a lot of different ways. Um, but there's not just one hero in this case. Um, there's, there's at least two who gave their life yesterday just for the service of their jobs. And I include Mr. Mack in that as well, um, because he was simply doing his job yesterday. Um, to the family also of uh, the officer um, and this process server, I want to extend also my personal uh, condolences. Um, we've tried to get through a series of phone calls um, so that everyone could have personal notification. And um, we did our best on that, but we feel confident that people have been left out. If you didn't receive a personal phone call yet from my office um, or from the Independence Police Department, um, we are still working through some of that. Uh, we just didn't want to wait any longer to get charges out and let everybody um, understand that the individual responsible has been in custody since um, really the first moments of that uh, call for help. So um, as I said, there's some people standing at this podium with me and I wanna offer them an opportunity to come up and, and say a few words to you. I think probably we'll start with uh, the mayor and mayor, I'll go ahead and turn the podium over to you. Thank you, Jean. Uh, I've just got a, a statement to read and maybe a couple of comments. It's with profound sadness and heavy hearts that we come together to mourn the tragic loss of an independence officer, Cody Allen, and circuit court process server, Drexel Mack. 
Today our city grieves the passing of two dedicated guardians and public servants. Officer Allen exemplified the very best of our police force. And as I get to know these men and women of this police force, my respect and admiration grows from them every day. They are remarkable individuals that put their life on the line to protect all of us. They had an unwavering commitment to the safety and well-being of our community. His bravery and dedication will forever be remembered. And his absence leaves a void that cannot be filled. Looking this morning at the picture of Lady Justice, blindfolded, with the scales of justice in her left hand and a sword in the right, and there was a missing image. And there should be a box of hearts stacked on one another, filled that are empty today because there are many broken hearts that occur when justice is sought. Justice cannot be completely served because those hearts cannot be filled again because of the loss of Cody, the loss of Cody Allen and Drexel Mack. On behalf of the, man, the mayor and myself and the city council, we extend our deepest condolences and prayers to officers Allen's family including his wife and his young children, his parents and his colleagues. Their loss is immeasurable, and we offer our unwavering support during this incredibly difficult time. We stand united in gratitude for the service of all of our officers and personnel who put their lives on the line every day to protect and serve our community. Today we mourn their sacrifice and we honor their memory. May Officer Allen and Mr. Mack rest in peace. But more importantly, may their legacies continue to inspire all of us to serve in our communities. Thank you. Chief. Thank you, Mayor. Okay, um, there's a couple others that would um, make a statement for you. I will try and answer some questions here at the end, but um, I want to go ahead and get through uh, some of the others who have a prepared statement, and that is um, Deputy Chief, you ready to go? Yes. Deputy Chief Jason Peterson um, has a few comments on behalf of his department. Thank you. On behalf of Chief Dustman and the Independence Police Department, I want to thank all of the agencies who responded yesterday and will continue to assist us over the next several days. I would also like to thank the Missouri State Highway Patrol who is handling the investigation. As for the men and women of the Independence Police Department, we will work to take care of Cody's family our injured officers, and our entire staff, all of whom have been impacted by this tremendous loss. We appreciate the amazing support of our independence community, and thank you all for the kind words and gestures, and know that together we will get through this.
Thank you, Deputy Chief. Um, and from the Highway Patrol, our lead investigator, um, Lieutenant Darren Blankenship. Good morning. As a prosecutor in news, my name is Lieutenant Darren Blankenship. I'm the assistant director with Missouri State Highway Patrol's Division of Drug and Crime Control. <coughs> Excuse me. Yesterday afternoon, I was contacted uh, directly by the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office to uh, request our assistance with this murder investigation. Uh, we deployed resources upon arrival. Uh, of course, Kansas City Police Department's tactical units were there, uh, set up because we had to make sure the uh, residence of the defendant was clear before we could make entry. At around 1900 hours, uh, yesterday evening, the residence was turned over to me. Uh, we began processing the residence. I can tell you that we've had uh, crime scene folks and DDCC personnel there uh, around the clock. They're still out there gathering evidence and trying to put this tragedy together. I know that a lot of you may have questions. Uh, I can predict some of the questions. I'm not going to describe any of the injuries or wounds. Again, this is still trying to be pieced together. We have video, audio that we have to go through, several witnesses that were interviewed, witnesses that need to be interviewed. Uh, we are working with uh, other agencies, and again, I appreciate there are too many, too many agencies to, for me to recall. Um, I would ask that you please remember that even though these heroes are victims, their families are victims, their co-workers, their friends, the community of independence, and all involved are victims. So uh, we have to remember that. I understand that there's a lot of questions that you have. Uh, again, I can tell you that we're early on the stages of the investigation. As the prosecutor said, the defendant is uh, in the hospital, currently in ICU, $2 million cash only bond. Uh, when the defendant is ready, it will be transported to the Jackson County Detention Facility. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant. And then um, finally, um, my presiding judge, Jalil Otto. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you. As you said, my name is uh, Jalila Otto, the presiding judge of Jackson County. Um, on behalf of the entire uh, circuit, uh, we just want to express our sincere gratitude to um, all of the law enforcement agencies uh, that came out um, yesterday um, after Mr. Mack uh, was, was, um, was injured and shot. Uh, Independence, I, I know, was there. The Jackson County Sheriff's Office was there. Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, um, amongst others. And so everyone who was there, we are um, extremely uh, grateful. We know it's a large investigation. Uh, we are um, working um, with the investigators in, in any capacity that we can. Um, I also want to express our <coughs> gratitude to the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office. Um, um, as they have continued to work not only uh, to investigate this offense and, and bring charges, uh, but to also work with the families of um, Officer Allen and Mr. Mack. I know that's tremendous uh, work, and we're very, very grateful. Um, there has been an outpouring of support from all of the law enforcement agencies um, in, in various ways to our court and our court family. As I said yesterday, this is a devastating uh, loss to us as, as civil servants. Um, we never anticipate ever being in front of a podium like this uh, speaking to you all. Um, and so we're just very, very uh, grateful for all the work um, that has been done. We cannot express our gratitude enough um, for, for that work. And we also want to express our condolences to Officer Allen. Um, he, he was doing his job. That's what we all sign up to is to do our job. And, and he did it, and he did it bravely. Um, and, and so we are so, so very sorry for his loss to his family and his independence police officers, um, his brothers. Um, I just want to say a couple of things, um, just so it's, it's clear from a legal process. Typically, uh, when cases in Jackson County are filed, uh, they would go before a Jackson uh, County judge. But because this case involves the death of a court employee, it will not go through the, a Jackson County judge. It, it'll have to, um, there's a process called recusal where the judges in the circuit will say we can't handle this particular case because of our relationship with the victim. So we're in the process of doing that recusal. When that happens, uh, we reach out, or I do an order that goes to the Missouri Supreme Court, and the Missouri Supreme Court will appoint a judge outside of our county to hear this case. Um, so we will, um, as I said, we will continue to work with the partners, but eventually, ultimately, this case would fall on the desk of a judge from a different county uh, than Jackson County. As Lieutenant Blakenship says, um, pursuant to Missouri law, um, um, the defendant will be in court for initial appearance um, in, in, the, in the near future, which I'm sure you'll be um, informed of. Um, but I just want to make sure you guys know that. So that's something just because of just various conflicts of interest, obviously, because he was our employee, uh, none of the 16th Circuit judges will be able to um, ultimately hear this case. So it will be assigned to a judge, and, and you will um, be informed of that when we have it. Thank you. Okay, um, so we'll uh, do our best to take a few questions. And um, though, you know, our hearts are heavy and this is somber, um, please don't mistake our resolve in this matter uh, to see this all the way through to its conclusion. Um, that's what we intend to do. That's what this, my office intends to do um, and we're pre prepared to do. With that, um, we'll see if I can answer any questions.
So my question is, how long were the civil processors, first of all, how many of them were there, and how long were they at the residence before they started to take fire, before they took those locks off? You want to try and answer that? Yeah. I think, um, so you asked a few questions in there. One I can answer, there were two um, civil process servers, and um, I can't give you details uh, completely on timing yet, um, but um, they, had, they had been at that property before, um, so this was not um, the first time that they arrived there. As I said, this had been a years-long process um, on behalf of the system to evict this person uh, from their property. And um, I know that there were other, um, they did knock and announce, they did try to determine whether or not anyone was home. And it appears to us um, that, um, you know, no one did answer that door until um, they got through the front door and, and were met with gunfire. And I can add to that. Uh, to give you a little bit of a timeline, so there was a gate at the bottom of the driveway, so they had to cut through and remove that lock from the gate. So by the time they did that, then they sheet up the driveway, a lengthy driveway, but road visible from the residence. So they get to the front door, then they have to drill through that lock to then announce and yeah, make so entry. Is this like a 15, 20, 20, like how long are they at that property? Is that something you guys can answer? Well, I'm, that's why I was trying to give you the, the point of they're cutting the lock at the gate, getting that accomplished, that task, then moving up the driveway and to there. So at this point, that's all I can really give you as far as a reference um, until we get uh, other information, call logs pulled and recordings pieced together on that. Do we know where the individual was inside? Were they waiting at the doorway for someone to walk in? Were they hiding, anything like that? Yeah, we do have some details about that, but uh, we're not willing to go into that much of the investigation at this point in time. Um, as I said, there are more charges uh, that are coming, and um, it's it's been hours, you know, not days for us um, since that first call uh, for us to respond to the scene. Um, Was the suspect known to police or previous record? Or? Um, I, I don't have... Um, detailed information about that yet. I, um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and pass on that question for now. Can you explain how they were When you say years long, do you mean multiple, multiple years or like an all year long? A one year long process. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that he was, he was waiting to ambush these, you know, process servers at this time? So I'm going to follow the evidence in the case. Um, and, um, you know, ambush is a strong word, but it may be one that's fitting here. Other questions? Yeah, how, did, how was he neutralized? How, how did police get into the home, get him out after you had, what you've said, three officers shot in a civil process or shot? Um, you know, after the first uh, individual, the, the first group of independence police officers responded, uh, then another call for service uh, came out. And it's my understanding at that point, um, you know, tactical teams were also um, moved in. And um, the suspect, the defendant in this case, was shot, of course not fatally, and then was taken into custody. Can you talk a little bit about the, the um, repossession or the eviction? Was it because of delinquent taxes or was it because somebody brought the, the property? 
I believe it is for unpaid taxes, but we're still trying to clarify um, what that whole process looks like. Were the first three officers that arrived on the scene, those three officers were shot? Um, I believe that's correct, yes. Sorry, I'm trying to <coughs> trying to go through that, the timeline, yes. There were more officers beyond those three that initially responded. So, of course, um, the first the first uh, people to arrive was Drexel Mack right. and his team. As you know, um, the fate of Drexel Mack, then officers responded, and yes, three officers um, were wounded, one of them fatally. What was the relationship between the defendant and the property? Was this defendant the property owner, a renter, uh, somebody? Do we know what the relationship, his relationship to the property was? I think due to the court process, um, he no longer had a relationship with the property and, and did not have a legal right to be there. So this was a year-long eviction process. Were there any signs leading up to this of a risk of danger of any sorts? Did they ever come back saying? I don't have that information to share with you this morning. Do you have any more details on him? Was he someone who claimed to be um, what they used the word sovereign citizen? Was there any manifestos there that he left? Was this something that he was planning? He wasn't leaving that house. Can you elaborate on that? Um, you know, I don't have a lot of detail to give you, so I'm not trying to evade your question, and I also want to be respectful of, of my process. Um, I really want to try this in a courtroom. I've said that before at this podium, you know, our, our similar podiums. So I want to be able to get um, all my facts and, and air them in a courtroom first. We have the defendant's age. We do. I think he is 68. 69. He's 68 or 69. I went to law school, so I don't do math. But, um, <laughs> 69, I'm sorry. Um, are you able to say what type of firearm or firearms you use, Mr. Ripley? Um, are we, do we have that available? Not yet. Okay. Uh, it's too early for us uh, to be able to confirm that information at this point in time, but that would be forthcoming. And then the Operation 100, we knew that took place last night. I, I take it there was no one else in the home? That's correct. There was not. All right. Are, are, are process servers armed and used if you're running eviction? Are they accompanied by sheriff deputies or law enforcement officials? Um, I think the answer to those questions are, is both affirmative that yes, they are um, often armed and they often ask for uh, the support of law enforcement uh, to go into certain properties. So, not always, um, but but they do ask for that support. So in this case, when <laughs> showed up initially, there was no law enforcement officials with them? I believe that is correct. I believe that's, that, that's a correct civil statement. process servers were armed? Um, do we know the answer to that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Both, the, both of them were. Were they wearing any type of bulletproof vest? I don't have that information. Question, so the suspect is in custody, are there any charges yet, or are you guys just working? Yeah, the charges have been handed out to you, and um, most important charges are the two murder in the first degree charges, which is the highest charge Missouri um, has. If you don't mind me asking, what is the weight on the third officer that you have acknowledged that has been shot? What is the weight on those charges? It's just because it's just been hours. <laughs> You know, not um, not days. So it um, sometimes when an investigations occur, you do 
you know, you do the biggest uh, items first. So we're simply trying to work through the evidence as quickly as we can, but also methodically and thoughtfully. Um, so we are going to get there. We're just not there right at, at this moment, whatever it is, you know, 11 or so. Um, yeah. So we haven't even hit a 24-hour mark uh, for us. That is, that is moving about as fast as the system, uh, frankly, can move. If you don't mind, there's been a lot that's happened in the metro area over the last couple of weeks. Quite to be frank with you, a lot more than some people in this area can handle it. So it's a lot of tragedy. What's your message? Um, yeah, our region has um, our our region has been weighted um, with it seems one tragedy after another, after another. Um, I can tell you that almost um, almost every one of those is uh, linked to um, somebody using firearms in a way that um, that they're not supposed to. And we, um, I do acknowledge that I think this community is suffering. Um, it's just it's a lot for one community to bear. Um, but as someone I spoke to uh, last night reminded me that there is no water deep enough. We'll keep, you know, we'll keep doing our job. We're going to keep showing up and um, and carrying this um, through the criminal justice process. But beyond that, um, you know, the reason I thought it was important um, after the parade to engage in a wider discussion and try and lead through um, offering trauma counseling. Um, it, it was to acknowledge uh, that we're a community that is hurting and that we need help. Um, and I encourage people who um, to need that help to get it. Um, it is it is available. Although we are a community that's had a lot of tragedies, we are a community um, that does have a, a lot of resources available. And I think. Um, I don't know what day it is right now, but we'll we'll be putting out more information about where people can continue to get resources um, for the trauma that they've experienced, either witnessing crime or just, you know, somehow um, feeling like they need that help. All right, we we're going to get it. We're going to break away from it at this point. I think they've gone over all of the pertinent information that, that we're going to get out of this press conference. And again, just to go over the charges real quickly, we know now that the defendant in this case is Larry D. Acree. Uh, 70, uh, 69 years old. He is now being held on a $2 million bond. The charges are first-degree murder for the murder of Drexel Mack, first-degree murder for the murder of Officer Cody Allen, armed criminal action, assault in the first for the other police officer who has not yet been named, the other police officer, the, the one who is the partner of Cody Allen. No charges yet on the third officer who was injured, but as you just heard Jean Peters Baker say, that's likely on the way. She said more charges are coming. And we'll go over some more of the specifics here in just a couple of minutes. We are way late, so we're going to take a brief time out here. We'll get back to your phone calls and more information about this as we continue on 98.1 KMBZ. 11.40 now, 98.1 KMBZ. John Grayson here with you. Um, just to, again, go over a little bit of what we just heard and some of the things, the more interesting things that came out of that news conference. We were correct, by the way. They, they had just about wound up and were getting a couple of questions there at the very end that they, frankly, just couldn't answer. Um, and, and I'm not picking on them. I mean, there's there are reasons for that, legal reasons why they can't say everything that they know. A question was asked about, do we know what kind of weapon it was? The answer was no. I mean, at this point, they they have they're not deep enough into this. 
Uh, another question came in, uh, were the weapons or any weapons that were there in the house owned legally? And Jean Peters Baker's answer to that was most weapons in the state of Missouri are owned legally. So she said it would be rare, except in the case of two things, either an automatic weapon, which she did not say this was, but she didn't say it wasn't either. We just don't know yet. Uh, or weapon in possession of a felon. And since we're still kind of working on the background of the, uh, Larry Acree, the man who's now accused in these shootings, we don't know that information yet. What we do know is we were able to go through a little bit of the information about his uh, other interactions with the court system. And I want to get into one of the questions that was asked that she did not answer here in just a couple of minutes that may uh, at least help to not explain, certainly because like we said before, there is no explanation for what happened yesterday, but may help put into perspective some of the the things that are in his background. And it's not, I mean, there's nothing in there. I mean, and, and you have access to the internet just the same way everybody else does. So if you're really interested in this, yes, you can find it. The state of Missouri makes all of that information public. But the interactions that he's had with the courts in the state of Missouri, there's nothing in there that stands out as a a particular red flag except... That, I mean, there's a string of divorces, at least three of them. Um, there are, there's a traffic ticket, you know, the, the kind of things that you would find if you looked up anybody uh, in, in their, uh, you know, interactions with the courts and all of that. But there was one charge of uh, abuse of an adult without stalking. And that's one we're going to look a little bit more into from a couple of years ago. Uh, there was another interaction with the court that dealt with a tax lien on a property and him having to be you know, called into court to respond to a tax lien on a property that was not this property. Now, you heard Jean Peters Baker say that as far as she knows at this point, there was no uh, delinquent mortgage on the property, but there was a tax lien against the property. And that she said that there was a that the eviction proceeding was because of unpaid taxes. As we told you a little bit earlier, those unpaid taxes seem to go back at least to 2019. So the process to evict him from that property has been going on for a year. Uh, but the the non-payment of taxes is an issue that goes back at least five years. Now, the other property in question is in Excelsior Springs. That goes back before that into tax liens against that property. What was the disposition of that? And was there an eviction in that case? That we don't know. But you heard a question asked there by one of the reporters, and forgive me, I, I couldn't tell who it was that was asking the questions. Uh, and they didn't really identify themselves by name or by which organization they worked for. That there has been, for the last 20 hours or so, ever since this shooting happened, um, because, I mean, you know, people are, are smart about these kinds of things and can go out online and find out, okay, who lives at that address, who's likely involved in this, that there, uh, there was a question asked about an affiliation between Larry Acree and the so-called Sovereign Citizens Movement. And Gene Peters Baker really didn't answer the question uh, and said something to the effect of, that's the kind of thing that we would go into at trial, so we're not going to make any comment on that yet. So she didn't say, no, it doesn't exist, but she didn't certainly didn't say, yes, it does. And yes, we are going to run down the charges here for you for anybody that missed them again here in just a couple of minutes. That, that question's coming in on the text line. Uh, so we'll run that down for you again here in just a second. But 
there has been chatter all over the Internet on Reddit and everywhere else about a possible connection between him and the sovereign citizens movement that has not been officially established. However, would that track with two different non-payment of taxes issues, non-payment of property taxes? Yes, it would. So would it be a particular shock to find out that that's what was going on here? And that uh, if you don't know about the sovereign citizens movement, it's uh, they don't believe in any governmental authority above the county sheriff. So, you know, governors don't exist. And there's a whole bunch of other it's kind of in a loose way affiliated with the some of the militia groups that we've heard about in the past. They uh, there have been famous cases. I mean, the state of Michigan, for whatever, seems to be eat up with members of this so-called sovereign citizens movement. And they don't do, they do things like drive vehicles without license plates on them because they don't believe in license plates or state licensure of anything. And that gets them in trouble with the law from time to time. Uh, They don't like paying property taxes. So they don't, they don't be, they don't because you pay that to the state and they don't believe in the state. They don't believe in any governing authority there. And again, I'll point out, we do not know at this moment that this guy was one of them. But that chatter is out there, and you heard a question asked to the to the uh, county prosecutor about that. So, if you wanted, well, why is he talking about it? That, well, that's why, because the rumor is there. Um, whether it will be part of this case as as it moves through the courts, we don't yet know. But uh, if if that is indeed the case, then it goes right back to where we started this conversation at ten o'clock with some extreme stupidity. There is no more boneheaded. Well, actually, I can't say that. There's a couple more boneheaded movements in this country than the, the sovereign citizens, but not by much. And they're all kind of in the same basket anyway. So if that's what we're going through here, then, wow, it, it goes right back to what I've always believed that stupid should hurt. But and in this case, obviously, it did. What I mean by that is it should hurt the stupid person. Unfortunately, it usually doesn't. Now, again, we'll run through the charges here real quick, and then we'll get back into the show. Uh, we've got another brief timeout we've got to take here. But again, the accused is Larry Acree. Um, We do not know that he was the property owner of record on that property. She was asked that question as well. Uh, they're still working on that. But he was 60. He is. He's not dead. He's still with us. 69 years old uh, in the hospital, but is expected to be taken into uh, custody in the jail a little bit later on today, he's being held in a $2 million bond, first-degree murder charges, two of them, for Drexel Mack, the process server, and for Officer Cody Allen, the police officer who was killed. A charge of armed criminal action, assault in the first degree for the wounding of the second police officer to arrive on scene. More charges are expected. Uh, and she also said, when asked the question about were they ambushed, when the process servers, two of them, went into the house after cutting the locks off and all of this because they believed there was nobody inside. Nobody was answering the door when they knocked. So when they were taking the the locks off the door and made entry, that the two process servers in there, the question was asked, were they ambushed? Was Is it in the opinion of the prosecutor's office that Larry Acre was lying in wait, waiting to ambush them when they came into the house? Her response was, ambush is a strong word, but one that might be utilized here. So that's not a yes. It's also not a no. 
And it would seem that if somebody's banging on your door and trying to serve you with papers to get you out of the house and you pretend you're not there, then start shooting at them when they come in. Well, it sounds an awful lot like that. My words, not hers. So those are the specifics that we know right now. We'll get back to your calls here in just a minute. 913-586-7798. John Grayson here with you. It's 1149 now on 98.1 KMBZ. Continuing on the midday show, uh, getting toward noon already. Lots has happened on the program uh, so far as if you are just now joining us, uh, charges were announced over the last hour or so against Larry Acree in the shootings that happened yesterday in Independence uh, outside of a, a house that he was being evicted from. And we'll get you more information as soon as we have more information as it comes in. If there are more press conferences today, either out of Independence or out of the uh, the county of Jackson, we'll let you know. Uh, in the meantime, though, total left turn at the traffic lights. I wanted to spend a couple of minutes here at the end of the hour, and we'll get into a bunch more after the top of the hour at noon. Because there were two things that came out of football yesterday that I, I thought bore a little bit of scrutiny. Because the first thing, and I... I I love it when things like this come out because my first thought is somebody's a little jealous. Apparently, and I didn't even know they did this, every year in the NFL, there's this like anonymous vote among team executives and front office types about other teams in the NFL. They, It's not really a vote even. It's, a, it's like a survey of, hey, how we doing? And as part of that, they evaluate all of the other teams in the NFL. And, and presumably themselves as well. Um, but as part of this survey, they come up with who, is, who are the best and worst team owners in the league. Colin, any guess as to who the worst team owner in the NFL is, according to this survey? Would it happen to be someone that rhymes with Blark Blunt? It, it would. It would, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I, I want to know how you end up winning three Super Bowls in four years and then find out that your other team owners and executives have decided that you're the worst owner in the NFL. Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, was the worst owner in the league. How on earth could you come to that conclusion? Now, what a lot of it had to do with were what we've just seen over the last 24 hours or so. Actually, 48 hours now. Um, the improvements that need to be made to Arrowhead and the improvements to the practice facilities and things like that. It's not what you and I would think of as what makes a good owner. When you're another football team evaluating an owner, those are the kinds of things that they talk about. But I'm, I'm waiting to see if next year that's a different name at the top of the list. The other thing is the Rules and Competition Committee has decided that the tush push is, is legal in the NFL and it's going to stay that way. Collins, a football guy. We'll talk to him a little bit about this after the top of the hour. Stay with us. If you want to jump in, plenty more to come on the program. 913-586-7798. The noon expanded news coming your way next on 98.1 KMBZ. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.